Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome. Some new music there. I know maybe that's going to take some getting used to, but Stephen Diener, UAP Weekly right here as I finally get to bring to you this new show, this new iteration spinoff of what you're normally used to in UAP, but with a different twist, a different flavor as I bring you the latest news and updates and interviews regarding everything in the UAP UFO alien world that is going on before our eyes every single day but just does not get mentioned anywhere else so i'm so excited to bring this new show to you to bring this information to you every single week now on uap weekly and i hope you enjoyed the new music there i thought that was something that uh we could switch it up a little bit kind of separate from the traditional uap and give uap weekly kind of its own flavor and everything like that so Hopefully you enjoy that one. <laughs> Took a little time to to, uh, to work that out. But I'm really excited today for this first episode. And what I wanted to do, which is one of the reasons why this took so long for me to get this show together. Honestly, I've had this idea for this type of spinoff for about a year now. And it's just been really tough to, um, to really find the right formula to make this work. And I think I have done that. Hopefully, because the ro- the ball's in motion now, so there's no stopping it. It's either sink or swim uh, when it comes to this new project. But I think uh, what I really wanted to do was start off with a bang in the first episode to start off this new project, this new uh, iteration of UAP with UAP Weekly. And the best way I could think of doing that to start off on a, on a really strong foot here was to bring in none other than Nick Pope. And he is the famous, if you don't know who he is, um, famous UFO investigator. He's all over the, you know, ancient aliens that show on History Channel, of course. It's huge. Um, they have their ancient aliens live tour. I mean, he tours the country, does different speaking events. The former head of the British Ministry of Defense. He's produced documentaries and different shows and movies, written books about the UFO phenomenon, UAP and uh, investigating these things on a on a government level with the Ministry of Defense in the UK. So the guy is as legit as they come, and I'm really excited to be able to get him on here today to start off this very first episode of UAP Weekly. So without further ado, let's bring him on right now. What we'll, we'll make him wait any longer? Or make you wait any longer? Nick Pope joining here on UAP Weekly. Nick, thanks very much for joining here. So excited to have you to start off this first episode of UAP Weekly. Yeah, good. Thanks. Good to be on the show. Just to jump into, you know, some of the things I'm sure you worked on, you're familiar with. 
When we talk on UAP, I go over a lot of different stories and, you know, stories that have interested me over the years, things I've taken notes on over the years. And so one of those things that have has always kind of gained my intrigue has been the Rendlesham Forest case. This goes back to 1980, I believe, right? Correct. Yes. December 1980, uh, next to two military bases uh, operated by the U.S. Air Force, but in England, uh, Rendlesham Forest lay between them. And, and this really was bizarre. I, I mean, sightings over three consecutive nights, a landing on one of those nights, physical trace evidence at the, the site, burn marks on the trees, scorch marks on the ground, radioactivity levels assessed officially by government scientists as significantly higher than average background. So, so it's not just hearsay and stories. There is physical evidence. It was tracked on radar. All this is recorded in a, a now declassified Ministry of Defense file. So there's a, a lot for people to get their teeth into, including the fact that the deputy base commander, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Holt, right. who started off as a skeptic on this, ended up as one of the witnesses. That's right. And that's the thing that I think that's always intrigued me, because when you have physical evidence mixed with military witnesses, you know, these are people, you know, who are trained to discern what they're seeing. You know, is it friendly? Is it, is it foe? Or what is happening around them? And when you hear the stories of Jim Pennington and John Burroughs, where they say, you know, this thing landed and they even when they approached it. Right. There's a story that they even approached it and had some missing time in there. Yes. I, I mean, it's, it's confused. And I think the situation has become a little muddied over the years. Uh, first off, of course, with just the amount of time that's, that's passed. But secondly, uh, the, the fact that some of the witnesses have undergone uh, regression hypnosis, mm. which sometimes can, can muddy the waters and jumble memories and perhaps create some false ones. So there is a little bit of confusion about um, that close approach point on the first night. But there's no getting away from the fact that the, the, the radar evidence, the radioactivity level, the declassified government documents, they speak for themselves. Right. And that's exactly it. You know, it's hard to refute something like that. Is that the most, I guess you could say, as far as evidence is concerned, is that the, the most uh, hard to refute case that you've ever come across in your time? Or is there something that kind of supersedes that? I, I think it was the, the best evidenced case in the British government's files. That said, I had one, I mean, Rendlesham occurred a few years before I joined the Ministry of Defense in 1993. We had a great case that I led the investigation on where, where there were sightings over a period of about six hours over much of the UK, huge hmm. triangular-shaped craft, lots of police and military witnesses, um, patrol of Air Force police at RAF Cosford. Hmm. The meteorological officer at RAF Shawbury saw this huge thing, just very slow speed, 30, 40 miles an hour low frequency humming sound that he said he could feel as well as hear. And then suddenly this thing, uh, which had deployed a narrow beam of light, which was tracking uh, backwards and forwards as if it was looking for something, suddenly from this very slow speed, accelerated away to the horizon with no sonic boom, which is something that uh, people like Lou Elizondo have right. commented on recently. Right, yeah, that uh, instant, instantaneous acceleration, kind of that hallmark of a true sighting or an experience of UFO UAP. I mean, how's, how is that explained away? You know, 1993, 
it's gosh, that's 30 years ago now. That's not like, you know, it was now where these things are a little bit more accepted. It's it's kind of more mainstream, you know, people having the conversation about it. How is that covered? How is that explained away to people who couldn't describe what they were seeing? Well, it isn't really. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, as you say, one has to look at these sightings in the context of current technology. And nowadays, for sure, we could look at something like that and say, well, maybe some secret prototype, aircraft, missile, or drone. But when you're talking about these cases, the Cosford incident 30 years ago, Rendlesham 40 years ago, mm. these technologies, drone technologies, for example, were in their absolute infancy, even if one accepts that, that of course, there are things going on that aren't publicly declared. Eventually, the historians, uh, the aerospace historians write all this up. And we know, broadly speaking, what the level of technology was at any particular time and you you look back and you say well we just couldn't do that right so is that something that just goes away you know what i mean like what what was the i guess the instant reaction after that for the people living in the uk did they say well i guess it is what it is we don't know what we saw sure well the ministry of defense's position on this as it had been for decades was to really downplay the whole thing right either try and explain it away in conventional terms or just not address it at all. And of course, back then, you know, we didn't really have social media right. or, or the internet. And, and if, if, you, if you did kill a story like that, it really did most times go away. An extreme example of that going back much further, of course, is Roswell, 1947. Sure. After 24 hours of hysteria about mm. flying discs that had been recovered, the military said, mistake um it's just a weather balloon right and everyone's like okay right and if you pick <laughs> up a ufo book written in the 50s and the 60s and you go to the index you will not see roswell yeah. so people's Man. people's trust in authority was was such and it was it was different era how is it different say for kind of segue here for a country like zimbabwe and the reason why i bring that up is because we're talking early 90s and Makes me think of 1994, the famous case there, the, Zimbab the school in Zimbabwe where over 60 school children, you know, the, and these are like elementary school children. They see this, this craft come down. They draw pictures of it. They draw pictures of the, the entity that they saw come out of the craft. They, you know, these, these kids who witnessed this event. And my thing is, I always say when I talk about that story, I have two young kids. So I know just with two kids, it's impossible to get them to agree on anything. So it's... I don't know how you would get 62 young children to agree on everything that they saw and have these same drawings of entities and this, you know, saucer-shaped UFO. I guess just to speak on something like that with, with that famous event back in Zimbabwe, 1994. It's an extraordinary case. Um, I, as you know, James Fox has, has covered it in one of his films. Randall Nickerson has a, a film about it. And the, the late, uh, John Mack, hmm. who was professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. I mean, people say, well, you know, kids make things up. Um, he, he was a world-renowned psychiatrist, um, an expert in all, all sorts of things, trauma, unusual events. He went down and uh, got boots on the ground, interviewed uh, the, the teachers, the, the children themselves, of course, people in the local community. And he came away convinced. And, hmm. and it's very difficult to to find a conventional explanation 
for for something like that. I, I think, you know, it's one of these cases that still makes me kind of wonder. And, right. and I, I suspect there's part of the story that's not yet emerged, whether it will or not, I don't know. And, and of course, there was a similar case in Australia, uh, the Westall School incident. So, and actually in the UK, in Wales. Wow. Back in, back in the 70s. That's right, yes. Very, very difficult to, to come up with any conventional events that might have been misperceived or, or, or misidentified in that way. It, it's a genuine mystery. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, that's the incident in the 70s in Wales. That, that was a cigar-shaped UFO, from what I remember. Is that, is that right? Yes, I, I think so. But again, entities were reported. Right. And, and uh, this, this was not just lights in the sky or a shape in the sky, but, but something landed and interacted. And, and, you know, there's not much middle ground with with something like that right <laughs> congress at the moment is obviously looking at some of these u.s navy videos mm -hmm. that's fine you know there's a lot of hard evidence for people to get their teeth into reports like this are, are more difficult to pin down and, and i think it's going to be a while before anyone in congress for example looks at something like this and and yet one one can't help but but think maybe they should you would think so, right? <laughs> Again, you're listening to Nick Pope here, right here on UAP. It's Stephen Diener with Nick Pope, a UFO investigator, former uh, Ministry of Defense with the UK, and of course, you know him from Ancient Aliens and many documentaries and and shows and movies covering these subjects. And Nick, I got to ask you about the rise of, I guess, what we, we refer to as the USO, right? The Unidentified Submerged Object. I know they kind of give it the term transmedium objects and things like that, kind of the official government term. What do you make of the rise of that speaking about, you know, the USS Nimitz, like we're talking about Congress looking into those things and has the Tic Tac splashing down into the water. Is that something that you look at as a recent phenomenon or has that been going on for a while? Well, it, it's an interesting question. It's not new. It has been going on for decades, but I think the connection has only just recently been made. And, and this is the fault of government. And I'm, I'm blaming myself here as much as anyone else. All government UFO programs previously tended to be configured around the Air Force. The feeling was, let's embed those programs in the Air Force because these things are, are seen in the sky. And therefore, even within official programs, there was this tendency to cut out the Army and, and the Navy in particular, hmm. yet the reports were always there. So I think I think it's it's the fault of of government. There's always been a connection between UFOs and water. Again, one doesn't quite know what that that means. But recently, yes, the the 2004 Nimitz incidents, the 2015 incidents off the East Coast, many of the other cases that that have come. To, to people's attention recently, some from the DOD 
releasing things. Others from the work of people like George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell, right. who have released uh, video footage and still photos, which the Pentagon has has subsequently confirmed are genuine. And and yeah, this connection is is there. And again, it was one of these interesting things in the eighties. There was this cliche in the UFO community, which didn't really make much sense. People would say, "Oh, I went to a, a debrief, and there was someone there in a Navy uniform. Why would the Navy be involved mm. in this?" And it was dismissed. But but now. We know that for a while, at least, the Navy was leading on on this. Maybe still are to some extent. Right. You know, and when you look at some of these things, like we say the water connection right, with USOs or even going back to the nuclear connection. I mean, which one? I guess it's hard to say which one might mean more. Which one are they focusing on more? Because, you know, you just think about things like Malsham Air Force Base, right, where everything goes dead and you have all these different cases of... UFO, seemingly UFO intervention with missile tests and, you know, nuclear missile silos. Is it, does any of it make sense when it comes to these investigations that are going on? Can they make sense out of any of those things? Well, let me answer the question. <laughs> Absolutely. When it comes to water or UFOs, uh, water or, or, or nuclear issues, when it comes to UFOs, it's the nuclear sure. issue, of course, that, that really gets people's attention and, and, and that's because it, if anything, brings it home that this is a defense and national security issue. It's, it's the suggestion that there's, there's something uh, going on around our nuclear facilities. And, and Congress is looking at this. In fact, they're mandated to look at this by one of the provisions in the new defense bill, which says that the, the DOD, uh, Congress has mandated the DOD and the intelligence community to answer this question, whether there is a connection between UFOs and nuclear facilities, or, and, and this is the skeptical theory, could it just be collection bias? The fact that, that hmm. nuclear facilities, whether they're missile bases, nuclear-powered aircraft carriers, um, whatever it is, these are uh, areas that are, or installations or assets that are more heavily surveilled. So the DOD and the intelligence community is looking at that right now, what I can say is that one of the other provisions in, in the defense bill is, is this so-called whistleblower right. um, provision, which says that anyone with knowledge of classified programs on this or specific incidents or conclusions drawn from any of these programs or materials that have been recovered, these people are released from their non-disclosure agreements and can now come forward and testify, uh, firstly, to Arrow, the Pentagon's all-domain anomaly resolution office, and then to Congress, um, whether it's the House or the Senate, whether it's the Armed Services Committee, the Intelligence Committee, wherever it is. And, and that's happening already. And at least one, maybe two, possibly more, hmm. of the witnesses who talk about this, some of these nuclear incidents have come forward. So, obviously, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick testified about this in a, in a uh, Senate subcommittee hearing recently. And, and this is all ongoing at the moment. So we're in very exciting times. Yeah, I, I'd say for sure. And it's, it's the most exciting I've seen as far as the mainstream conversation. And I mean, just for even us to have this conversation right now and not feel like we have to, you know, hide in a dark corner because people might think we're crazy, you know, to have this conversation out in the open now where 
kind of the, the stigma has changed. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure you felt it when you go around speaking tours or what, you know, whatnot. You see that the attitude toward the, the UAP, the UFO discussion has really changed in the national consciousness. And really when it comes to media coverage too, right? So, and then the U.S. government, you know, Senator Gillibrand coming up with the, the whistleblower, you know, conversation where you can come out and talk about these things now and, and you know, obviously behind closed doors. What do you make of, because you, you've, you've seen it, you've seen the progression. What do you make of that kind of moving from the fringe to now, hey, we're talking about this and this, this is a thing? Well, that's absolutely what this is. Uh, I, a fringe to mainstream transition that's taken place over the last five and a half years. Uh, gone are the days where this subject was just the, the stuff of, of conspiracy theories or, or, or fringe science or mm-hmm. sci-fi movies, whatever it is. Um, now, if you talk to someone about this, that it, it'll be, oh, yeah, I saw it in, in the Times or the Post or Politico. Uh, I, I saw that Congress had another hearing the other day. And, and absolutely, right. it's come about, I think, for a number of reasons. But one of the main reasons is, of course, the sheer body of evidence that we now have from pilots, radar operators, uh, retired intelligence community personnel who are talking about this, uh, obviously, in public at, a, at an unclassified level, but, but speaking to the reality of this, not necessarily claiming to have all the answers, but, but saying, look, whatever we think the true nature of the phenomenon is, it is a phenomenon. And, and now, as I say, it's written into the defense bill. There are hearings in Congress. NASA is doing its own study into this. And one of the great things is that it's bipartisan. You mentioned Kirsten Gillibrand. Marco Rubio's involved, too, of right. course. And, sure, and this is across sides. the political aisle, yeah. which is a great in these divided political <laughs> times, to have an issue like this that's bipartisan is great. Yes, no, you're right. And I think you hit the nail on the head, too, when, when you say having the conversation about the reality of this. And I think that's really where, where we are these days and if, why I find it so striking to be able to have these conversations out in the open and have the podcast and to be able to, you know, really just, you know, not have to worry about somebody thinking you're crazy, <laughs> you know, and so that's, that, that's a nice thing. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Mainstream media coverage, the fact that that now if – I mean, we used to have this kind of cliched view of the UFO witness that it was someone on the lonely country road right. late at night, <laughs> you know, beam of light, something like that. And now when you think of UFO witness, you think of, of you know, an F-18 pilot, mm-hmm. and, and we've seen them. We've seen them. You know, David Fravor, Alex Dietrich, uh, Ryan Graves. Right. Um, Chad Underwood, you know, all the, all these sorts of people coming forward, speaking out radar operators like Kevin Day. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's, there's so much more we can get into. I really appreciate your time, Nick. And I know you got to get going here. So we'll wrap it up now, but if I could put you on the spot, maybe we can do this again sometime soon. Absolutely. Uh, Perhaps later in the summer when we have the NASA report published. And again, uh, later in the summer, we will have also, uh, the next round of reports, I think, from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. Uh, certainly, we will almost, for sure, have further hearings in Congress. I'm hearing reliable reports about, about that. So I mm. think there'll be, there'll be a, a really interesting update we can have on all this to see how further down the road we are. It's exciting times, and I look forward to it all, that's for sure. So 
Thanks again, Nick Pope, of course, former Ministry of Defense from the UK and Ancient Aliens and all the documentaries and speaking and the movies and UFO investigator. Really appreciate you coming on UAP today. And we look forward to having you on again to uh, talk about all the developments as they continue to happen in real time, honestly. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. And by the way, I should say that um, uh, as well as Ancient Aliens, there is now Ancient Aliens Live, yes. which is a, a, a stage show, 90-minute live event. And amongst other cities uh, and states, we're coming to Florida. Oh, you are? I was going to say, you're coming to South Florida? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, we're doing four dates in Florida in the fall. Um, people can find the details on um, Ancient Aliens uh, Live Tour. Dot com. Oh, uh, I think that's the website. <laughs> you know, just Ancient Aliens Live, it'll come up. Yeah. And, and we're really looking forward to coming. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I got to look it up. Maybe I can uh, get out there and see you guys. That would be great. Yeah, come on down. I love it. Thanks, Nick, very much. We'll talk to you again soon here on uh, UAP. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks. He was great there. I'm so happy that he was able to join us here on the inaugural episode of UAP Weekly. I know I was saying UAP during the interview, I guess, uh, just you know, habits, some bad habits die hard, I suppose. So I have to remember to uh, kind of separate the two UAP from UAP Weekly, but it's all part of the UAP family. So it's, it's all good. Nonetheless, thank you again, Nick Pope, uh, for joining me here on UAP Weekly and just talking about everything there. It's so great to hear his perspective from someone who has, you know, really been entrenched in these things, kind of on the inside of how these investigations worked and the inner workings of all these things and the information that was found out. So, so happy and excited that he was able to join us here on, on UAP. So you could hear that interview. And like you heard there, definitely we'll plan on having him on again uh, sometime soon, maybe in the summer to talk more about all these things happening in the, the daily goings on of uh, the UAP world. So awesome to have Nick Pope on the show on the first uh, inaugural episode of UAP Weekly. Couldn't ask for a better way to start it. Wanted to touch on uh, what he was saying there about the dates coming up for Ancient Aliens Live as well. He he had the site right. He second-guessed himself, but it's okay. He had it right. It's ancientalienslivetour.com, just like Nick Pope said there. Ancientalienslivetour.com is uh, where you could go. And if you're interested, you can check out the Florida dates or really anywhere. I mean, they're, they're going everywhere around the country. So obviously... Um, if you're not in Florida, they're going to the state of Washington, Oregon, Kansas, Missouri, uh, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois. And then they're coming to Florida, four different dates, four different cities. On November 16th, they'll be in Fort Lauderdale. November 17th in Daytona Beach. November 18th in Tampa. And then November 19th, they finish out their Florida dates in Jacksonville. So Fort Lauderdale, Daytona Beach, Tampa, and Jacksonville if you're in the Florida area like I am. Uh, but you can check out all the details, like Nick said, ancientalienslivetour.com. So this was awesome. This is a lot of fun. I'm so happy that I was able, finally able to start this new project, um, this new, I guess, iteration, a spinoff, if you will, of the traditional UAP that we've all gotten used to and know and love. But this is an idea that I've had for a while now. I would say maybe about, oh, geez, probably close to a year to do a spinoff like this. So I'm, I'm happy to get this project going. A lot of planning and prepping had to go into making sure that I was going to be able to be committed to this for you and to, and to keep on this and to bring you uh, the content that you're used to. I don't want you to be bored at all. So I want to make sure that it's going to be the content that you have gotten used to on UAP, but with just a different little bit 
flavor, a different, I guess, a different take, a different approach. So now that we've got it all set and going, I look forward to again next week coming on here and talk to you, talking to you on UAP Weekly for all the latest in the world of UFOs, aliens, UAPs, and everything happening with all the news that comes out all the time. So I'll be sure to keep you updated. And I will speak to you again soon on UAP episode 69. That is in the works. I'll keep you updated on when that is going to be coming out. Diving into some strange stories out of Australia. So looking forward to sharing those with you on episode 69 of the traditional UAP, I guess you could say. And don't, and be sure, by the way, you can still follow uh, UAP on Twitter as far as UAP Weekly is concerned. It's all going to be on the same Twitter handle. Nothing's changing there at UAP Podcast 850. So until next time, Stephen Diener here, UAP. I'll speak to you again soon. Until then, be good and thank you very much. <laughs>